you're listening to the Painkiller Podcast. Passing a restaurant window, a woman feels a powerful sense of connection to a man sitting inside and is compelled to enter. My first thought was I must have met him somewhere before. You know what it's like, that weird jolt of recognition. He's sitting with his back to the window, absorbed in his phone and casually picking his nose. (laughs) He doesn't care who might be looking. And now he's trying to catch the waitress's attention. It takes him quite a while. She's young and glam and wanders over, eventually, looking resentful. Decisions are clearly not his strong point. (laughs) He's scratching his chin now, still weighing up the menu while she stands there, tapping her foot and fiddling with her hair. Meanwhile, invisible to both of them, I'm here. Outside. Watching. Rooted to the spot. It seems to me, despite the plate glass window, I can actually hear him speaking. (laughs) How ridiculous is that? His voice is just as I remember. Deep, rough around the edges. A bit of a joker, but not insensitive. Not stupid. He's not a smart dresser. Not one of them smoothies, as my dad would have said, winking to me through a cloud of embassy gold. He used to make me laugh. Took me to places at the weekend. It was just the two of us, you see, until he met Carol. Anyway, something propels me through the revolving door. It's warm inside. Italian, or trying to be. Huge gilt mirrors on all the walls. Wicker tables and comfortable looking chairs. It's broad daylight, but there are all these candles flickering like so many eyelids looking me up and down. It's not my sort of place at all. Mine is the sort of place where people stare out of steamed up windows as if they're on another planet, or wish they were. Places where, if I feel like it, I can simply face the wall. He doesn't look up as I walk past and sit down nearby. Not too close, but I can see him clearly in the mirror. No one could accuse me of staring. He doesn't look up while I absorb the old familiar details. The sandy stubble. Grey hair tucked behind the ears. Shapeless jacket. Old jeans bagging at the knees. It's no surprise that his socks don't match. A big man. I notice the way he overflows that puny chair. (laughs) The waitress shimmies over to him, plates balanced like a circus act. Soon he's making clumsy attempts at wrapping linguine around his fork. There's a greasy trail around his mouth. When his napkin slides to the floor, I feel the urge to pick it up and wipe his chin. What can I get you then? My mind is suddenly empty, like a drain. The waitress is frowning down at me as if I'm doing something crazy. 
I'll have um, the same as him, I say, impulsively, pointing at his plate. He's looking at his phone again. I'm willing him to look up, to catch my eye, to smile at me. See how beautiful I am now, how thin. Everyone says so. They all say I look quite different. He was a great one for treats. Not just a burger and chips in the park like the other weekend dads. The sad, superfluous ones who hadn't a clue what to do with their sullen teenage daughters. My dad was different. Always laughing, joking, whistling. <laughs> he didn't like silence. He took me to grown-up places. Smart places with white tablecloths where the waiters often mistook me for his wife. I was a big girl by then, you see. Tall, like him. Size 14 already. One seafood linguine. Anything else? No, not yet. Thanks. He's a fast eater. I'll have to hurry to catch up, to synchronise mouthfuls so that we can put our knife and fork down together. It's just something we used to do to make each other laugh. I want to show him how good it is to be here with him. Just the two of us. The way it should be. Eating and laughing together. If only he would look up. Was this his way of saying sorry? Sorry he'd gone. Sorry he'd never come back. I mean, we both knew we couldn't afford it, but it didn't matter. It was just the two of us pretending nothing had changed. Anything off the menu, he said, as much as I could eat before the last bus home. Carol warned him I was getting fat. The boys wouldn't want her, she said. Not with thighs like that. I feel a familiar, queasy excitation. This is a treat. A chance that may never come again. I reach for the glass and we take a sip of wine together. A sweet, hot pain spreads upwards and burns. He looks at me at last. Just a casual glance thrown in my direction. He wipes his glistening chin, leans back in his chair. <coughs> he doesn't try to cover it. He doesn't give a damn. It's as if I'm not you. I have a little trick handy for those social occasions that I can't avoid. People never understand how much I hate those things. Given enough alcohol, they soon stop watching me. I could eat three puddings and no one would notice. Nor my long absence in the ladies, my bloodshot eyes and trembling hands, my emptiness. It's too much to drink, that's all. It's one of those knacks. I picked up quite a few over the years. He's ordering now. <laughs> of course. My favourite pudding. We always chose the same. It's a kind of telepathy. One of those things that Carol could never understand. Carol gave him low-fat yoghurt, melon with a dash of ginger. Carol put an end to his nasty, slobbish habits. Took charge of his arteries as if they were her own. On Sundays, they had grilled chicken. Carol tore away the moist, plump skin and gave it to the cat. 
Carol was good for him, you see. It was something at his age to pull a bird like that, a looker. He still saw his old mates now and then, but it wasn't the same. The jokes had dried up along with his gut. He sat there with half a pint of low-alcohol beer and found he had nothing to say. He stayed at home with Carol instead. They watched Strictly together and had an early night. In the mirror, I see a woman enter the restaurant. Her nose is red from the cold, her grey hair flat and damp. She's shaking out her wet umbrella looking for someone. He doesn't see the woman coming up behind him. She puts her hands over his eyes, bends right over to kiss him clumsily, and her wet hair flops in his eyes, large, loose breasts squash against his cheek. He's startled, then delighted. His mouth, still full of pudding, reaches up greedily for hers. His eyes shine like a child's with sticky pleasure. They leave the restaurant together, arms entwined like teenagers, grinning at each other. The waitress smirks behind the till, but they couldn't give a damn. It's not raining anymore. It's all over. Seven stone six. Hospital scales are different. They never lie. Sometimes the nurse left his pyjama top unbuttoned, his white ribs exposed to the world like a carcass. His pocked and pallid skin hung off him like a cheap suit. He'd lain there for weeks like that. Unmoving, staring at the ceiling, preoccupied with breathing. His lungs choked with a lifelong stucco of tar insisted on taking their time. Not even Carol could save him. He didn't finish his pudding. A flabby square of tiramisu, sagging in the middle like an unmade bed. The waitress pockets the tip and obliterates all trace of him with a brisk, damp cloth. I'm alone now with my own half-eaten pudding. I let the clammy sweetness slide down my throat before deciding what to do. I push open the door marked Signore. A sickly floral smell and music playing softly, welcoming me inside. The cubicles are empty. No one to overhear. To ask if they should order me a taxi or call a friend. Just me. And a big, empty mirror in which I can watch myself, having had enough. Yet again. More than enough. You've been listening to Deja Vu, written by Sarah Bielis and performed by Amy Lighton. Deja Vu was directed by Nikki Allpress, with sound design by Joseph Harris. Through the Painkiller Project, Bitter Pill has been collaborating with emerging playwrights since April 2020. Visit our website bitterpilltheatre.com or follow us on Twitter for updates of upcoming submission windows. 
If you'd like to support the work we do, please consider pledging to our Patreon to make a donation that would be repeated each time a new play is released. Alternatively, you can make a one-off donation through PayPal. Any donation made would mean the world to us. For more information, follow the links in the description. You could also support the project by sharing it with your friends and giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening.